Hi, I'm Anthony. And I'm Josh. And welcome to 52 in 52, a podcast where we watch one movie a week for every week in the year and do an episode about it. And today we're coming to you with a holiday year-end wrap-up kind of episode. Uh, Josh and I are going to talk about uh, top movies, bottom movies, and then just a couple other flicks that we didn't really get to talk about on the podcast that didn't really make either list, but we really liked or we really hated and we just wanted to to talk about for a minute or two with you guys and and kind of just give you guys a, a feel of how we felt about this year in cinema um josh how did you feel overall about this year in cinema um i feel like i might be a little more positive on it than you maybe overall i feel like i've heard you kind of reference a couple of times so you thought more of the movies this year were just that are going to populate the top half of our half of our rankings were just not bad than good and like i have like a good like top 25 of stuff that i really really liked and um and i can find positives and stuff after that but i think my we, we're doing this whole thing we're calling it 52 and 52 but we're not going to see some of the ones that are technically going to be in this award cycle if you will within this year so i still have a few left that i'm yet to see but if i'm just i guess if i'm just taking 2015 as a whole it was good and if i'm going with uh everything that came out during the 2015-16 award cycle, then like I think it's going to be a really strong top 10. But just as far as 2015 as a year, I'd say it's maybe not quite as top-heavy as last year as far as the strength of like the top three, but I still thoroughly like really enjoyed a good chunk of the films I saw. How, how like, many, I, how many I, movies did you watch this year? Um, as of the taping of this podcast, I'm at, I've watched 81 movies. And I guess I'll end up at 82 because I'm going to go see Joy with my mom and grandma tomorrow. And I actually did a, I, I actually did a couple other statistics if we're going to do that kind of thing. Yeah, shoot, I, shoot, I went, go for I, it. I, 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 so I analytics was, podcast movies. Yeah, so I, 49, like, and I guess I saw a few of them multiple times, but as far as just watching movies that came out in 2015, we watched 49 together. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah, nice. and then I watched, four, I watched them with 41 different combinations of people. Whether that be myself or like just my mom and my dad, or then my mom and dad and my grandma, or then like you and Rachel, and then you, me, Rachel, and Matt. Like I just I counted each different combination of sure. people that I, we went with, and then I I've been to eighteen different movie theaters. Jeez. So yeah, so I mean I went to all the same ones, most of the same ones, I guess, as you did in the D.C. area. But then I went to a, a couple in Philadelphia, a few back here in Pensacola, a few in Gainesville. So I and randomly one in Alabama. So I, I saw Pitch Perfect too. So I spread them out, and uh, yeah, I guess I'll end up at after after tomorrow. That'll be forty two combinations of people, or even forty three. I might just go see Star Wars again with my dad tonight, and I haven't seen one just with my dad all year. So I, I kind of like doing that because it shows just how going to the movies is like a thing you can just enjoy with so many different people. And if like that number of different combinations of people, which I'm given how many we've seen together and you've seen some other different, you probably have about the same amount. It shows just the different people you've hung out with throughout the year and how many different interactions you've had with people over the movies. And yeah, I think that's pretty cool. But yeah, 81 movies in a year and you're probably at about the same number for two law students is pretty, is, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's pretty stupid, but I, I still really enjoyed our whole year. No, I love it. I love it. I'm sitting at 78 right now. It seems I definitely might've missed one or two. I know last year, I think you caught one or two that I missed that I didn't write down. Um, and I guess it's 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 funny because last year when we started this kind of little project before that we ended up doing the podcast, I I had to watch two movies 
on New Year's Eve to get to 52. And I know I've, <laughs> I've referenced this before in the podcast, but I had to watch um, uh, Two Night Stand with uh, Miles Teller and, and uh, Annalie Tipton. And then <laughs> it was so bad. I had friends over for a New Year's party and I just <laughs> sat on my laptop watching that movie, just pausing it like whenever mid conversation because. You know, I was going to hang out with my friends. I didn't really, you know, the movie wasn't very good, but, um, you know, I had to watch it. And um, and then the movie I watched before that was, oh, man, it was the Liam Neeson movie. I forget what it was called. It wasn't... Nonstop? No, it wasn't nonstop because, I mean, not, it was A Walk Among the Tombstones. Okay. Which was not very good either but it, it, it's interesting just to see like you said how how it's changed i'm sitting at 78 right now and well the fact that you've we both so easily got past 52 despite the name of yeah. this podcast this early in the year does that speak at all to the depth of the movies quality of the movies this year or just how into um, it we got I'd say, i don't know so. i think a little a little bit of both i think that there's probably a lot of middle tier movies that are pretty good or or above middle tier, but I think the top last year was better than this year, personally. Um, but yeah, other, I don't, th- I don't think either of us saw something we liked as much as Whiplash, which was at the or, top of both. Or Birdman for me last year. Um, I, but yeah, I mean, the first time I watched Whiplash was just awesome. Yeah, and um, I'll speak for Rachel uh, if she was here. Um, she would say Mad Max is better than both Birdman and Whiplash. Rachel, I know. Thank you. Um, and her her uh, top ten is Fury Road, as yeah, she put it. She wanted us to let you know that her top ten movies are Fury Road, and her bottom five are the other five movies that she watched this year. <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyway, so let's go ahead and get started. Let's, you want to start with good movies or bad movies? Which one's more fun? Uh, I think bad's probably more fun. Okay. So um, so bottom three. What do you got? What do you got as your worst movie of the year, Josh? My worst movie of the year is uh, Aloha. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, See, I guess our bottom and top are going to be pretty similar. I think um, I know what your bottom three is. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel pretty good about my bottom three. Like Aloha was something that it's just, it's almost just like it might not even be quite as bad as something else in my top three, but it's just like for the quality of talent involved. Or actually, I take that back because my next one has good talent involved too, and it's just. When you see something with good talent, it just gets totally wasted on a bunch of, on just a completely incomprehensible plot. It's it's just really frustrating. Are you talking about the gunman, Josh? Yeah, that's next. Is that next for you too? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we have the same bottom two at least. I think our third. Can, so both of them, if you'd say, you just count on the gunman had Sean Penn, H- Javier Bardem, and future Oscar nominee Mark Rylance, and. <laughs> And Idris Elba, who might get nominated this year too. Idris. So, so it could potentially have four Oscar nominees and that four t- four Oscar nominees and Sean Penn, a two time winner in that one. And Aloha, Bradley Cooper, Alec Baldwin, Rachel McAdams, who might get an uh, Oscar nomination this year, and um, Emma Stone. Emma Stone, who has Jam an Oscar from so, The Office. So it's like those are two movies right there that could have a combined ten different Oscar nominations. Cameron Crowe. Yeah, who's won it too? So it's just terrible, terrible movies with incomprehensible plots and i would probably laugh more at the gunman than i did at a couple other comedies this year than i did at aloha just because there's some of the lines are so stupid but with the with the gunman i at least you had like a couple action sequences like i don't know what it was redeeming about aloha at all yeah i, mean, I don't know if you can name one thing that was good about it no and bill murray too we forgot to mention that bill so. murray and um kenny powers yeah, Danny McBride. Um, I mean, yeah. I don't, I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be somewhat more coherent than either of these films were in describing them, but it's it's really hard to do because 
they're just so fucking bad. I mean, I, no, I mean, like, I honestly, like, I don't, when I was watching Aloha, I just was so, I've never been, I don't remember the last time I was, like, so dumbfounded watching a movie and thinking, like. I asked you right now what it was about. What would you say? Um, Bradley Cooper destroys the Death Star. <laughs> he gets called to Hawaii because he's a he is a contractor for someone doing something that used to be in the military and has to convince some Hawaiians to let them build a road, but it somehow also relates to some weapons that Bill Murray's in control of. Star Wars, right? It, no? I, I, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it was It was just, oh, God. You guys should watch it. It's that bad that you should watch it because... Yeah, you can make fun of it. And it's like, it had like three different movies in one, and maybe if he had just picked one, it would have been a little more comprehensible. And, and like, I'm not even complaining about, like, it's even worse for some people because they got really upset about Emma Stone playing someone that was supposed to be part Asian. If you add that, if, if you do find that really problematic on top of the fact that it's a totally incoherent and poorly written movie for a, who, a guy who used to be a really talented filmmaker, it's just a really bad combination. It's, uh, I don't know, like, I, 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 we gave him money, we gave him our money, though. We can say that about a lot of these. Yeah, yeah. All right, what, what's your third worst movie of the year? Did you have anything else you want to say on the gunman? Uh, no. It was so uh. stupid, dude. No, I don't want to relive that anymore. Listen, listen. A gunman was worth my $10 because it was a trivia answer for Josh and I. And we oh, both yeah. laughed hysterically when the trivia person was trying to give us the clue for the movie. And Josh and I were like, we're the only two fucking people in this, in this bar that have watched the gunman. I don't know. I think our trivia team might have placed that week. So we could say that... Paying ten dollars for the movie might have gotten us five dollars at a sports bar, so I think that's a worthy trade-off to get a few unintentional laughs. But when the best thing you can say about a movie is that it ended up being a trivia answer, I think that's pretty bad. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. All right, number three, worst movie. I I, I put unfinished business there. Oh, okay, okay. Unfinished business is Vince Vaughn and uh, um, Dave Franco and Sienna Miller. And man, that movie was not funny. You know how I know that movie was really bad was that um, when we go to movies, we'll often get a large popcorn, and a benefit at the, almost every movie theater is that you get a free refill of your large popcorn, but it's not something that I ever really take advantage of unless I've gotten to the movie early enough to then eat a good amount of it and then go refill it before the movie starts. But I had no qualms going to refill my large popcorn during unfinished business. I hate having to leave movies in the middle of a movie. I hate it. Even if it's a bad movie, I'm kind of just, I don't know if I'm just a completist. But this was just so bad. I'm like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to miss anything worthwhile yeah. if I go fill this popcorn up. When it's a comedy and you haven't laughed more than I don't even, I can't remember. I maybe laughed once I during think that I entire laughed movie. Once, yeah, I tried to keep track, but I, I was, it was at least on one hand. And when the laughs are coming that infrequently in a movie that really doesn't have a lot going for it, other than it's just trying to give you a bunch of comic set pieces, uh, you got to have a better conversion rate on your jokes, other than one every. 30 minutes and that's being somewhat generous yeah i mean vince vaughn really used to be in a lot of really great comedies and it wasn't a great year for him i don't know between being disappointing a true detective and having his the comedy he was a leading kind of flop it uh wasn't a great year for him um and i even i love dave franco i i know you didn't like neighbors but i just laughed at him throughout that entire thing even if that wasn't a great movie and i thought at the very least maybe i'll just laugh at dave franco because he makes me laugh for some reason and it didn't really happen in that and yeah i I, this movie just i don't know i'm not above laughing at juvenile jokes and crass humor i saw sisters last week with tina fey and amy poehler and 
that's really just a bunch of crude jokes for two hours, and I laughed hysterically throughout most of that. So it's not even a matter of like my sense of humor becoming a little too hoity-toity in my older age as I've gotten a little bit more into this amateur film critic thing. I just I didn't laugh. And when you're going for when you're having a movie that really isn't aspiring to be much more than something that makes you laugh, it's it's pretty bad. Yeah, I I, I hear you. I didn't like unfinished business. What'd you put in the three spot? Uh, Bridge of Spies. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, it had to be there. You went man. there. You went there. It had to be there, man. I mean, I don't really know what more there is to say besides just listen to our individual podcast on Bridge of Spies. It's just fucking terrible. It's so boring. It's so boring. Oh my god. <laughs> One thing I'll say about Bridge of Spies is since I, if anyone listened to our podcast, they know I didn't like it either. I I decided to give it a little more credit than that just because. While I don't think he should be an Oscar nomination, at least they had like a really a good performance in it. And Mike Mark Rylance, and at least you had a story you could follow, even if it was boring as shit. Like at least I knew what was happening. Did and you? I mean, I feel like we questioned the plot in our podcast, though. <laughs> no, I mean, like I feel like the plot was just way too predictable, and we knew what was going to happen the whole time. But well, yeah. At least it was like a story with a you could follow, unlike The Gunman or Aloha, and at least it had like a performance that was somewhat memorable. So that's why I didn't have it in my bottom three, but it's in like my bottom seven. I'll put it. Okay. I'll put it. That. I, I thought those three movies like at least deserved a little more scorn for just being so bad. And yeah, Bridges Spies is bad, but I could find a, like a couple redeeming things in it i'm not disagreeing with you that it was a bad movie i just wanted to i want to make it clear that i also thought it was bad just i didn't quite put it in my bottom three sure sure yeah. okay and two other so two other notable movies i want to talk about that were really bad were we are your friends uh the sac efron freaking edm movie which it's just so bad and it you just need to go on YouTube and search for the last scene of the We Are Your Friends where he's playing his brand new EDM song. And that's literally all you need to know about the movie. That's it. And it's and you'll laugh. So you said he's so terrible. I know you were like kind of excited I like to see do something after So you do like him. I remember you like you like that awkward moment. But, I love that movie. But you and you still like him despite this movie being so bad, you're willing to give him another shot. Yeah. I'm willing to give him another shot. And the thing is like the thing about it is it's it's so disappointing because I, I really don't know anything about the EDM thing and I hate it. I think it's stupid, but there's there's definitely a story to tell or a movie in there that someone could make because it's just such an unexplored territory in in mass media, I think, outside of actual music. So I think that that's a thing. It was kind of frustrating because I think that there's something interesting there, but the movie was was so bad, and then they try to get dramatic. It's so stupid. And the other movie that I want to talk about uh, was Minions, which I fucking hated, and I'm so mad that I spent money on it because I really like Despicable Me, and... Mr. I don't watch animated movies. And I hate animated movies, and I made an exception, and I'm never making it again. Yeah, I think that you just need to be a little more uh, critical with your choices there. I'm not I'm not a big animated movie fan, but I'm willing to enjoy some of it, and I still can't believe you went to see that, but you still refuse to watch the Lego movie. It really bothers me. It's like like the one thing that I think bothers me the most about like our, our whole entire movie relationship because we agree on everything, <laughs> but I still haven't gotten you to see that, and I hated Minions, too. I fell asleep twice in movies this year. I'm not even ashamed to admit it. Like I feel like someone that holds himself out as someone that has somewhat of an opinion worth listening to on a podcast on movies probably shouldn't fall asleep, but I couldn't help it. I just I fell asleep at Minions. And to be fair, the movie theater we took Josh to for Minions was brand new, and they had this like big ass seat, and you could recline it and put your feet up all the way back, so it doesn't help. But Minions was was really bad. There's just I, I, I would say there's a ceiling to making a movie about animated characters that can't talk, but. 
I guess Wally was really good, so you can't like make make that an absolute statement. But they probably are just better supporting characters, I suppose. Yeah. Any other notable bad movies you wanted to talk about? I, I feel like you saw most of the other ones that were kind of in my bottom fifteen. I one that you didn't see that I watched because it had our girl Haley Steinfeld was Ten Thousand Saints, and oh, it's really yeah. stupid because it tried to be like really fake, deep, and punky from the mid eighties, and I couldn't take it seriously. It really sucked. I didn't like Inherent Vice either. I like Paul Thomas Anderson. I think Boogie Nights is an amazing movie. I, I watched Magnolia for the first time a couple weeks ago. I like that. I love There Will Be Blood, and I just I, that was the other one I fell asleep during. It was just so it, it was so incomprehensible. Also for and I guess that's the point of a apparently it's the point of a Thomas Pynchon book, but I just couldn't follow the movie. I remember enjoying Josh Brolin, and that's about it. I couldn't tell you one other thing about it other than like a detective's looking for someone, and that's it. And it really sucked. And it was one I was really excited about because I had a lot of people I really liked in that cast, but I just didn't like it. Um, yeah, and I guess Fantastic Four is another one worth mentioning because it was uh, such a mis- it's such a missed opportunity. Had a lot of people we liked, and it looked like it was just a movie completely butchered in post production, or just didn't really have a good script to begin with. Yeah, because I, I could have like a lot of people. We talked about it a little bit when it came out, and that we both agreed with the critics, and that it was really bad. But some critics tried to get a little too think PC, in my opinion, and said. Yeah, they tried it already once with this, and it didn't work. So maybe these characters weren't just not meant to have a movie made about them, which I think is kind of bullshit. I think they're if you get those talented people together, I think there's a story you can make a story worth telling. They just didn't really have the right writer for it, if in my opinion, and they could have easily made that a much better movie. Yeah, yeah, I guess they're just gonna reboot it again, but who knows? All right, so let's talk about some good movies that we saw. I think that we'll we're gonna do a top ten. We'll, we'll just touch base on uh, so, some more movie analytics for you guys. Only four out of the top ten movies that I put down, we did a podcast on. So that means six of the ten we saw earlier in the year. So that's a good sign, I think. Uh, I think yeah. five five of my top ten so out there. I think that we can both agree that Mad Max is number one. I have Spotlight one. You have Spotlight one. Oh, and, and, Mad, oh. and, and, Mad, and Mad Max two. Okay, okay. So I have Mad Max one. Josh okay. has Spotlight one. What is this new development? Or no, I think we we, we talked about this. I think with the um, or I don't know if we talked about it on our podcast or not. We had that. We had the um, we, when we did our Spotlight podcast, we talked a little bit about awards and stuff and mm-hmm. what we would have in our top things. And I think we cut that part out of the podcast when we posted it. But at that point, I said I had like I really love like Mad Max too. I just had Spotlight one because the subject matter just engages me a lot more. Obviously, based on my uh, my journalism background, so I I probably enjoyed that as a movie a little bit more. But I I, I wouldn't get I, I wouldn't I can't even argue with someone that has Mad Max one because you could I I, I I I could even admit that it probably sets out it, it accomplishes what it sets out to do maybe even slightly better than spotlight and then i can't really find a weakness with the movie i could maybe nitpick one or two things with spotlight but for me spotlight just uh it for like as a personal subjective list because of the subject matter it's just a movie that's a little bit more for me in a genre that in subject matter that's just going to be more uh something that i'm going to enjoy but i obviously did not not enjoy mad max because i have it number two on my list sure okay well i just hope you know that rachel's going to cut out everything you just said uh, about (laughs) mad max not being number one um (laughs) uh, okay so i I actually had spotlight five if you can believe it uh number two take a guess what i put um sicario uh put that three I put Creed number two. Okay. I love it. I decided. I went for it. I love Creed. I watched it three times. It's fantastic. Oh, you want a third time? Yeah, I downloaded it and I watched it. Oh, okay. It's great. You guys should all watch Creed and you should all listen to our podcast because it's awesome. 
Um, I've actually I've moved it up a lot. I I, I don't want to go out of order, but it's it's in my top ten because when we recorded that podcast, it was right after we'd seen it for the first time, and I've seen it two more times since. And there some of the stuff that I talk about in our podcast on it that really bothered me didn't bother me as much when I went back to see it, and also the fact that yeah, I saw it three times and enjoyed it just as much, maybe even the most the third time. I think if a movie doesn't get old for you after watching it three times in six weeks, I think that says a lot about the quality of the filmmaking. So yeah, I've, I ended up moving it up a lot. Okay, so. I have Mad Max one, Creed two, Sicario three. Uh, what do you have? Th- what do you have three? Uh, three. I have room. Okay, I have room number four. I love okay. room. It was really yeah. good. It was really good. I thought like another one where I really could only nitpick stuff. I mean, I think Brie Larson should win the Best Actress Oscar because she was really good. And it's a rather thin category, so I hope Joan Allen can pull an upset and also get nominated in Best Supporting Actress. And it's really good that they can nail a little kid like they did with the actor and Jacob Tremblay. And I just thought it was really moving. Uh, what I I was kind of upset when I first saw that first trailer, and I knew they got out of the room, but the fact that that second half of the movie is even better than the first i think says a lot because a lot of a lot of movies would have had trouble pulling that off and having the part where they're outside of the room be as tense and moving as it was and it was they really it was really well done yeah yeah i agree i really like room we're gonna do an oscar thing in february whenever the oscars are uh so i won't speak much on that but uh brie larson was really good um so what number what number are we on i have my i mean so mine is mad max creed sicario room spotlight top five I have uh, Spotlight, Mad Max, Room, uh, four I have straight out of Compton. Okay, I have that six. I, I, I do have a, I mean, I think it is somewhat problematic in that they, uh, as we've mentioned on a few past podcasts, that they maybe could have even, it would have been an even more complete film if they had uh, just examined criticisms of NWA a little bit more and its members and maybe not been so blatantly something that was produced by uh, Dr. Dre and Ice Cube, but that's just my only criticism of the movie because some the performances are just really amazing and they did an amazing job considering they only had one actor in it that any of us had ever heard of and i think that's pretty cool that all of them gave such really good performances and it was just entertaining and a lot of most movies that go two and a half hours like you're gonna get tired of it but i it was a very quick two and a half hours and i think that always speaks really highly of your movie if you don't feel like you were there as long as you actually were and I, yeah, that that is a very valid criticism that most people have of it. But everything I have a criticism of every other movie, going I guess the rest of the way on the list. There are other things that just weren't or they just weren't enter- as entertaining as that. So I mean, it is a valid criticism, but I think the rest of the mo- rest of it is so strong that I had no problem putting it that high. I mean, I, do you want to just comment on that yourself now? If you already you already said where you had it on your list. Yeah, no, I mean, I I really love the movie, and I mean, it was so much nostalgia for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you may not seem like it, but I kind of just grew up with all the rap music and, and whatnot. And so just seeing NWA and Dre and P- Tupac and Snoop Dogg and all the, all the nostalgia that went along with that was, was really awesome. And yeah. And Anthony's a big rap fan and I know very little about any kind of music at all. So I think that's part of why I had it so highly is that I was just we're going into it. I, 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 I barely like I really know next to nothing about rap and the fact that that movie entered and it entertained my parents too, who were like, 53-year-old white people. So <laughs> the, the fact that it, it, they, they enjoyed it and I enjoyed it so much, I think just it got extra points in my book because in spite of me really not really knowing anything about that stuff, I still was highly entertained. So that probably just impressed me even more in that regard than it did for you because you probably went into it just expecting to like it. And I guess you're going to 
think a little more highly of a movie if it surpasses your expectations. Sure, yeah. And I think my favorite part now is just the irony of watching Straight Out of Compton and then going to the movie theater and seeing Ice Cube playing a policeman on a on a movie poster. It's just you know, it's just it's just interesting the uh the way times have changed a little bit, you know. Yeah, and um. <laughs> the end of my the end of my top five because I, I have I have these rankings of stuff I saw in 2015. So I have Selma at five. Okay, even though that, that was part of the movies that came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, as yeah, the last award cycle and we watched it in this it, calendar year though. So yeah, we it got its wide release in January, and I, I just really thought that movie was another example of something that was just extremely well acted, and it impressed me for like the opposite reason that Straight Outta Compton did, and that I know a lot about history, uh, but I and I know a lot about the civil rights movement, but. It still sh- it still told me about it in a way that I didn't really know. It told stories within that which I was unfamiliar with. I was still really entertained by that because it got into so much interesting stuff. I didn't know anything about LBJ's talks with Martin Luther King. I didn't know that was a thing that happened. We just know Martin Luther King. I think most of us know Martin Luther King is a guy that really led a lot of led a lot of the charge of the civil rights movement from this part of the country down in the South. But to see him have that role throughout and realizing that he had to really manage all that stuff down here but then also really do a lot of politicking at the same time was really interesting to me just as it was with some of the younger actors that played or the the younger people within the civil rights movement that actually clashed with some of the older people that was something i didn't know about and also thought was really interesting so i just really enjoyed that movie i thought it was well acted and really got at a lot of things that are underexplored in the civil rights movement and i really appreciated it yeah, no, some was good. I didn't put it in my top 10, but I mean, it was very good for what it was, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you have in your 6 through 10? Okay, you just want me to rattle them off then? Yeah, sure, why not? Okay, so 6, I had Sicario. Um, okay. And since you already talked about that, the, the, like I really loved it, and I thought it was my heart was beating 30 minutes still after I saw that movie. But uh, I still wish the plot had been a little clearer in the second half. I I thought some of the stuff that was going on there, which it was our first podcast when we talked about it, but I thought uh, it, it could have been a little more clear at times and been a little... Uh, I get that part of the movie were supposed to be left in the dark just like the Emily Blunt character is. They, they did everything else so well that I thought they could have also done that well, and it would have been a, it probably would have been a top three movie for me if I'd been able to follow it all the way through. And I, I know I'm not alone on that. Some of the other stuff I read about it said the same thing. So it's it's a minor criticism, but it just it bothered me a little bit enough that I put that other stuff in front of it. And seven, I had Creed, okay. uh, which we already talked about, and I think that might even be in my top three if it had just nailed the last fight. And we talked about it in the podcast, and I was hoping maybe on my subsequent viewings that I would find myself I would find myself changing my mind on that also. But it just really sticks out like a sore thumb for me in the movie a little bit because the second fight is so damn intense and awesome. And in the third fight, they didn't go more than five seconds without cutting away from the fighters. And I thought that really took away from the momentum of that fight and made it harder to get invested in and get engaged with. And if if they nail that fight, it's just such the last fight didn't totally do it for me. I couldn't quite put it in my top five. That makes sense. That's fair. I I liked it better, Mm -hmm. but it still was a problem for me when I when Mm -hmm. I rewatched it. Yeah. Um, Eight's the only one I have in the top ten that you didn't see. I think is Magic Mike XXL. (laughs) Okay. And because. It seems like a silly movie for like a 24-year-old guy to have in his top 10. I saw it with my 22-year-old uh, girl cousin, which is uh, a kind of a funny uh, juxtaposition because one who's definitely in the demographic and another one who definitely is and other people who enjoyed it. And I, might, I probably enjoyed it more than her because all, all the guys in the movie are really enjoyable. And you have a couple, and it's not even like they only focus on the guys. They have um, a lot of female actresses actually they give legitimate parts to. They have Jada Pinkett Smith and... Um, Amber Heard and Andy McDowell all really get to do interesting stuff. And 
it's just so different from the first one. Did you see the first one? No, I still haven't seen it. Okay, well, the first one's like a dark movie about Channing Tatum's character trying to learn if he needs to do something else with his life. And here it's just a straight-up road trip movie about these guys going to a, a stripping competition. And it seems ridiculous, but it's like the most entertaining movie I've ever seen that kept me engaged and had absolutely zero stakes. Like, I can't even spoil this movie for you. All it is is about them going on a road trip and going to this competition and dancing in it. For something that really had, there's like no point, there's no conflict that they really have to ever overcome that's all that serious. For something that really doesn't even attempt to keep you on the edge of your seat in that regard or have any kind of meaningful stakes to just keep me entertained because these guys are so funny and just fun to hang out with and they just really, their interactions with other people are really cool. Um, despite the fact that just about every other movie in my top 10 had a more meaningful message. And I, I guess this movie does have a message. It just doesn't have like a plot to, to, to get it through in. And even though, and because of that, most times I might complain about some movies being plotless. I don't think you have to have a plot to be a, a really great movie, but usually that's how I tend to rank my movies is ones that do have something that's a little more interesting and captivating. And this didn't, it just like kept me entertained literally for two straight hours. And I think, I just have to. I had to put it in my top ten because I think that's a really impressive accomplishment, and I think you should. I think everyone should go back and watch it at some point. I think you would enjoy it. Once I watch the first one, I'll watch it for sure. Yeah, um, nine. I had Mistress America. Okay, it's a movie that I want to watch again because I've still only seen it the one time we saw it in theaters a few months ago, and I feel like I might have even missed some of the message that that movie was trying to get across. I just was thoroughly entertained, and I laughed a ton and it's probably my favorite Noah Baumbach movie yet and it's weird because like while we're young's probably gotten a little more attention during award season neither of them are going to be get that many awards but this one I just I really like Greta Gerwig and I thought I, I really liked her character even though it wasn't really someone I know anyone just like her and so even if it was hard to relate to her but I didn't mind spending time with her on the screen and I, I just really liked the the breadth of the type of characters that they developed in that movie I don't want to drill on too long about character development because we we <laughs> probably do that, that. <laughs> do that too much on this podcast but the the whole 45 the, the whole second half of that movie it just takes place in a house and it just seems like it's just like one scene that would in most other movies drawn out as long as it is would just get old and you just want to get the hell out of there and you get tired of it but he did such a good job of like sketching out these characters that maybe only had three lines earlier in the movie, but they interacted in such entertaining ways for the second half of that movie and it just really impressed me and I I just enjoyed hanging out with them for an hour in this house, and I feel like if I watch it again, I would probably even get more about it, more out of it, because it probably is a movie that has something to say about entering, uh, leaving young adulthood and getting into your 30s and not really having direction in life. And I feel like that might actually have some kind of impact on me, and I'm just, and I'm pretty sure there's a little more there that I'm going to get if I go back and watch it again. But I was still so entertained by it and so impressed with the writing that I put it in my top 10. But I feel like I'm going to like it even more if I watch it again. And there are other movies that I have ranked highly that I'm probably not even as excited to go back and watch again. And uh, number 10, I have uh, 99 Homes. Okay. Yeah, uh, I thought about putting it there, but I didn't. But like 99 <laughs> Homes is just a very complete movie. And like literally my o- only big criticism of it was Andrew Garfield's Southern accent. I was just so... <laughs> Like I just I, I didn't enjoy that, but I enjoyed his performance when he wasn't talking. And I, I mean, in other times, <laughs> I mean, that's a little harsh because there were times where they they played it up more than others. And I really enjoyed like the scenes in which he wasn't trying to go really really southern. Um, I thought he was really good in, and I, Michael Shannon was really good, and he, he deserves any award recognition he gets. And it just told a really specific story about the housing crisis that when you tell something about foreclosures and it should be pretty boring and that movie wasn't. And I thought it did a really good job of telling this guy's story about how he kind of 
got pulled into something that really would be against his better interests. He probably hated himself as he was doing it, but you understood why he was doing it, and I thought it was a really interesting story. Yeah. Um, and they told it really well. So I guess since I just kind of rambled through my 6 through 10, I guess we'll just go through you now, and I can comment as I see fit. Because <laughs> yeah. it seems like you might have a different, a much different yeah, back half. I don't have any of those movies in my 6 through 10. I guess some of the, some you had two of those in your top five, but yeah. yeah. So I had Straight Outta Compton six, which we talked about. Yeah. Seven, I had Ant Man, which I fucking loved. Okay. Uh, I think maybe it's the expectations thing, but with all the hoopla that was going on with Ant Man and Fantastic Four and and all the problems they were having with different directors and scripts and everything, it turned out to be really really good. And I mean, I think you enjoyed it too when we watched it. Yeah, it's one of the ones that's like. I have it at 14 on my list. Okay. Because uh, I've, I've, I've ranked all 81. I don't feel great about my rankings because it's hard. You have recency bias with some things. Of course. And I probably had that in, uh, just speaking of the Marvel stuff, I had that in Age of Ultron like in my top 10 recently. And I watched Age of Ultron for a second time like on a plane uh, going to Philadelphia last week. And it just didn't hold up that well for me on the second viewing. And I think Ant-Man probably would just because of the type of story. It's a much more specific story. Yeah. And I like that it was something different in the Marvel Universe. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah. And Ant-Man is so simple, the story that they wrote. But it's just so delightful and great. Yes. And it's Agreed. just so different. And, and I really liked it. Let's um, put Michael Pena in everything. Michael Pena is the greatest actor on <laughs> fucking earth right now. Um, I, eight, I put Big Short. I really liked it. I think it will hold up on second viewing, too. I'm probably going to watch mm-hmm. it again eventually. Um, I'm excited to watch it again just because I think I'll understand more of the terminology and be a little more tuned into everything that's going on. It just yeah. The more you, the more you sp- time you spend with that subject matter, I think it's going to make more sense. Yeah, no, I really liked it. Uh, so nine, I put Rogue Nation, actually, Mission Impossible. I don't know. I really liked it. I know we we had <laughs> kind of a disagreement. Our best off-the-podcast off discussion because <laughs> all, all year was probably about that. It's a shame we didn't we – didn't, we should have started the podcast during the summer. We were really dumb. Yeah. But we had – really great argument about that and which i think i'm still right but that's besides the okay. point um, yeah I, had, I have it 31 on my list 31 <laughs> there are not 30 30 movies better than rogue nation this year dude yeah i mean we won't rehash your whole thing just to say that the, the whole washington dc part of that movie bothered me a lot and that's why i just didn't have it as high as anthony and that didn't bother him and that's what our argument was about yeah no i really like rogue nation i think it was really 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 well done um, and I really like Ghost Protocol too. So, as something you know, we're in the age of of reboots and sequels and continuation on things. Uh, Mission Impossible's managed to do really, really well as a set of five now. So, um, mm-hmm. really happy with that. Um, Ten, I actually have a tie. I okay. couldn't just really decide. Cheater. I had like I had like three Cheater. or four or five movies that I wanted to put there. Okay. Um, so I put a tie between Everest and the Most Violent Year. You liked Everest that much? I really did, dude. I really did. I just think about it a lot, and I read a lot about it after, and I really liked it. I really liked it. Where'd you put Everest? I had it in my 50s. It just didn't do a lot for me. I mean, I guess I just kind of, I don't know. It's not even a matter of just knowing what was going to happen. Everyone kept describing it as a doomed venture, and it's like, can you guys like not be so obvious about what happens? But I don't know. I felt yeah, like I like was... it's like a biopic. Yeah, I guess I, I don't have any notes on it. I'm trying to remember why. I guess I just I'm just not that interested by what they're saying. I thought Jason Clark was good, but I don't know. I just and I thought the effects were pretty good, but I don't know. I just uh, exactly. There's no problems with this movie. It's great. Um, <laughs> uh, so I had a tie with uh, the most violent year, which um, wow. Oscar Isaac, Jessica Chastain, David Oyelowo. I don't know. I really like that. Uh, looking back, I, it was so boring at first, but I you shit on it so much at first. It was just boring. It was a good movie, but it's boring. That's it's hard. Okay, I'll admit it's really good. It's just it's just boring. 
That's, I feel like I moved it down on my list just because you kept shitting on it so much. It's like, it's I, it's a good I, movie. I it's just so much and I it's just it. boring. It's just boring. That's it. It's so slow and the it's a lie. It takes place over like three weeks. It's not a year. It's a fucking lie. Um. <laughs> anyway, so a couple other movies I just want to talk about that. Well, actually, I had it in my thirties. First, first I want to talk about things that didn't make the list, whether they were highly reviewed and I didn't like them or. I they were close, uh, and I would say Dope, which we both liked but had problems, which a lot of people love this year. Um, me and Earl and the Dying Girl, I I almost put it in the top ten. Um, Black Mass, which I think we were way lower on than other people. Uh, Steve Jobs because of the fucking shitty accents that they use in that movie. Uh, oh. Ex Machina and Jurassic World. They didn't make the top ten, but some of them were close. Some of them were. Way too highly reviewed, I think. Oh, okay. Well, I, I had Ex Machina right after 99 Homes for me. Okay. Yeah, um, it, it, I, it's, it's I, pretty I top 15. It. I rewatched it yesterday, actually, just because I was just sitting around. And it was there on Amazon Prime. And uh, I, I feel like I almost – like Oscar Isaac's so good. He is. Like, I mean, I, I liked I, – like, after I left the movie for the first time, I'm like, yeah, he looked different. But like after watching it again, it's reminded me – like I, I was – out of the three main performances in that, like I just he's just so good. I and I've seen all those people in multiple things at this point. Whereas I had only seen Oscar Isaac and other stuff really at at the time we watched that movie because all those people have been in a ton of things this year. And like I don't know, he's like it might just be because it's more of a transformational performance for him even than it is for Alicia Vikander. But I don't know, like I it had very is a movie with not a very few flaws for me. Um, and just really suspenseful and really unique, and I really respected what they accomplished. And yeah, I was just that—that that was the one out of the ones you mentioned that I had pretty high. Like, I feel like I had—I—I I, like I—I I guess I—I I, I was entertained by dope. I didn't enjoy. I didn't mind sitting in the theater, but like the further we got away from it, the more I was—it felt like a missed opportunity. Yeah, no, no, I agree. But it was very highly, highly reviewed, and so I just wanted to talk about it for a second. Um, yeah, no, I mean, Oscar was really good. I, we're probably going to do uh, some, like, fake awards when we do the Oscars for Scene of the Year, and Ex Machina will definitely have a have a say for um, Oscar Isaac dancing with incredible scene. If you haven't seen mm-hmm. it, just watch that scene, and, and, and that's all you need to see. Um, <laughs> so a couple others. Uh, we saw a movie early in the year. We were the only two people in the theater, and then some 65-year-old guy walked in. Uh, it's oh, called Danny yeah. Collins. Al Pacino, Annette Benning, a um, couple other people, uh, Melissa, what's Benoist? Benoist, Josh um, Peck, Bobby Cannavale. Bobby Cannavale. Um, basically, it's a story about Al Pacino uh, being a rock star and then going on a tour, like a greatest hit store kind of thing. And it's surprisingly emotional and really good, and Pacino kills it. And I think Josh really liked it too. Where did you have it ranked? Uh, 23. 23? Okay. That's a little lower than I thought you'd put it, but I mean, you really liked it, though, right? Yeah, no, I, re- I really enjoyed it because I just thought it was going to be like I thought it was going to be like Bridge of Spies, and that it was just going to be a movie for old people. Yeah, and, me too. And I don't, I don't remember why we went to see it. Yeah, yeah we went to like a ten forty-five showing on like a Saturday. I don't know why. What made us decide to do it? This looked like a movie for old people, but for some reason we went, and I'm really glad we did because it was just really entertaining. Like it was something that could have like easily devolved into being like something overly corny and schmaltzy, and it. It never did, and he was like really good. And I mean, I get Al Pacino doesn't act a ton these days, and I'm glad he did this movie because he was really good in it. And I kind of I, I, I don't know I don't know if relatable is the right word, but I totally bought that it was I totally bought him as this musician that really kind of 
felt like he had done everything he wanted to do in life and was ready to just like go see his family. And it was understandable that it would have taken him a while to ingratiate themselves to him. And it just, everything made sense in the movie. It didn't really take a lot of shortcuts in getting the characters to the points where they really were making the decisions to become bigger parts in each other's lives or let each other into their lives a little more. And a movie like that could just become over really corny and, take a lot of, like I said, shortcuts to get the characters to those decisions. But it, it was really simple, but well done. Yeah, yeah. No, I really liked it. Um, so the other one I want to talk about was, I think, Project Almanac, but you haven't seen that, right? No. Okay, so Project Almanac. Um, so Danny Collins was actually pretty well-reviewed, and Project Almanac was not well-reviewed, on the other hand. I don't really know why I watched it. I think my friend Sky and I, we just... I don't know if it was during finals or something in the spring or whatever it was. We just kind of were bored and we 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 go to movies sometimes and whatever during the day. It was like two o'clock and nothing was playing except Project Almanac, so we went and saw it. Um, basically, it's about these high school kids that find a time traveling device, and there's really no one famous in it. The only person Johnny Weston is the main guy who I hadn't seen in anything before this, but he's actually in the uh, Divergent. Um, second movie what's it called insurgent i think and he's also in we are your friends which unfortunately for him he's in that movie divergent um, another one that i had in like my bottom 10 yeah. Insurgent. So. yeah um but i don't know about it I, I watched it a second time too and i fucking loved it it's sure. i don't know if it's high school nostalgia if it's just like nerd boy hitting on attractive girl time traveling i don't know what it was but i fucking it's just so fun to watch this movie and I don't know. I would really recommend it if you're not doing anything. Take two hours and and watch it. It's it's just these high school kids, and there's, I mean, I think there's two pretty well written female characters and two or three well written dude characters, and I don't know. It's just a super enjoyable flick, and and didn't really get enough love this year, so I wanted to talk about it. Yeah, I'll have to go back and do it. I guess it's fun, man. It's fun. I promise. If you don't like it. Then whatever, it's two hours. You watch Gunman. Um, <laughs> and so I think the last thing which I want to talk about is the Jupiter Ascending. And if you guys don't know what Jupiter Ascending is, I wish Rachel were here to talk about Jupiter Ascending because she can put it better than I ever could. But uh, I think it's like the worst, greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. And at first you're just so like, wow, I'm going to hate this movie. And then you keep watching it and you keep watching it and you just realize the terrible brilliance of it. And, (laughs) and I, I, it's funny, Rachel actually tweeted something today that, uh, Eddie Redmayne won the Oscar for Jupiter ascending and no one could tell her otherwise. And I totally agree because he was so much better in this than theory of everything. And I don't need to see theory of everything to know that because, he was so amazing in Jupiter Ascending. Um, so if you ever uh, want to watch something terrible, watch Jupiter Ascending. Mila Kunis gives the worst acting performance ever, maybe. Uh, maybe worse than Topher Grace in, in um, American Ultra. American Ultra. <laughs> and uh, Channing Tatum's great. And it's by the Wachowski. So they did the Matrix and everything. And the world is super cool. It's just a terrible, terrible movie but i could never put in my bottom three because i loved it <laughs> that's about all, right. all i got uh i guess i have a couple others i'd want to make note of myself in the same manner that you did um another one that we both really liked that i guess we just didn't really have quite room in for our top 10 was kingsman oh i love you know i just watched um, it the other day too loved it yeah I, I rewatched it the other day and it was it was really good um i think that the 
like yeah i mean it was really funny and some really really awesome action sequences yeah um uh really glad that colin firth decided to do that because i feel like he a lot of the other stuff he's done in recent years is like more super serious roles i guess he's done a few comedies before but um it was it was really good for him and the kid that the kid that played eggsy um he was in a testament of youth which is a really dumb world war one drama that had alicia vikander but he's really good in it and that kid has actually has some range and i knew from after watching that like even if i didn't like that movie he can do a lot of different stuff so he's gonna be a i'm star. excited to see him i'm excited to see him do other things i'm not sure what else is on his uh he was in legend what else he has doing uh, okay well that's one that I haven't gotten to that you yeah, got to see. So. Yeah, it's okay. Um, <clears throat> another one I wanted to make note of, one, uh, two others I guess I wanted to make note of, I guess. One was uh, The End of the Tour, um, which after watching it a second time, you watched it for the first time around the time that I watched it for a second time. Like, I don't know if Jesse Eisenberg's performance quite does it for me, but I still enjoyed the... I enjoyed his character having to interact with someone like David Foster Wallace in that movie because part of it's just me having a journalism background and wondering what it would be like to actually interview someone that you're like that in awe of and kind of the, his approach to it. And it was something I enjoyed seeing depicted on the screen. And I thought Jason Siegel was amazing. It's just the, and in a different year he'd get some awards buzz, but it's just too, too many good movies, too many good performances this year really for him to have that happen. And, um, but I, I really enjoyed that movie, even if like maybe someone else might've been a little better in Jesse Eisenberg's role. Um, yeah, and the, the, I didn't really have anything else I was, like, that passionate about talking about aside from maybe uh, just uh, a movie called Zero Motivation. Um, it's a foreign movie, an Israeli movie that I saw with my roommate, kind of one of the first ones I saw this year. And there's about uh, three, three young Israeli women that had to serve in the Israeli Defense Forces. Anyone in Israel has to do mandatory military service. And this movie is just, like, a really interesting look at three of their lives and like a really remote like military based working office jobs and um it was like really funny though they did it was a comedic take on it and i think that a lot of people think the filmmaker that made the movie like has a has the potential to be someone that like works in america even and does the same kind of thing that like lena dunham does that that kind of that kind of thing being able to write for women because it was a really funny movie that actually got into some dark places and would have maybe cracked my top 10 if it just got a little more introspective on what these people think about being in a country that how they, how they actually feel about Israel as a country and, and having to do that military service. But it really did a good job of striking a balance between comedy and drama, and I really enjoyed it. And if anyone just kind of likes that kind of thing where it's just a bunch of women hanging out, doing crude things, but also having to deal with some more serious issues in life, it's, if that's the kind of thing you ever might enjoy, it'd be a good one to just check out on Amazon, I guess. Yeah, okay. That's great, dude. I'll, I actually didn't – we didn't talk about that one before, so I'll have to check that one out. So. Yeah, I think that's our that's our holiday holiday year end wrap and year of the biopic this year. Pretty much for what we saw, a lot of biopics. Yeah, so yeah, thanks again for listening. We we just recorded on the Big Short yesterday, so that'll be out next week or two weeks from now. Um, mm-hmm. This will be out, and then we're gonna do Hateful Eight and Revenant, so that'll be exciting. Well, we'll probably do Concussion first. Oh yeah, um, I forgot about that movie. I think that's next on Anthony's list, and then we'll do the Hateful Eight probably early next week because I'll have seen it, and then the Revenant a week from this weekend, I guess, is that probably the order of our next few because yeah, yeah. that comes out January seventh and eighth. I just finished my Tarantino uh, filmography, so I'm ready to go. All right, cool. Yeah, all I right, gotta. So, I, I still got to do that too. <laughs> yeah, it's. It, I mean, you know, I just was. I'm not doing anything over break, so I watched all of them again. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. So again, you can find me on Twitter at a clambake, a K L A M B A K E. I'm at Josh Chernovoy, J O S H J U R N O V O I. Our email 52 in 52 pod at gmail.com. Send us an email, movies, critiques, reviews, comments, anything, and we'll get back to you. Thanks for listening guys.